pretty. Oh. Avery. <laughs> Dude, nice jump, guys. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode 37 of the Coffee Club podcast. As you will see if you're watching the video, complete new setup today. We're just moving into our new house, moving a couple of days ago. So I don't know if this is going to be our studio for, hopefully we have a more permanent studio set up in a little bit, but this is where we're at for now. Uh, the boys are all here. Uh, it feels good to be kind of moved in. You can't see off camera, a lot of unpacked boxes still. I'm sure we'll get to them eventually. But uh, yeah, how are you boys feeling after the move? I know I was like, I kind of did a lot preparation wise for the move and then since the move happened. I had a workout like yesterday, for example. Oh man, I was cashed after that. I was like, man, I, like my room is still just boxes and everything. I'm, I, but I think I'm in a place where I'm content with everything. I can survive pretty well with this. But yeah, how are you guys feeling? We've really come full circle being back to the couch. Yeah, <laughs> this is episode episode zero vibes. It really is. I'm yeah. released. Oh, Ollie I'm and released I got vibes. very lucky in that Morgan, Carlos, and our intern Avery did the majority of the packing while we were away. Which we're very appreciative very of. thankful for because it looked like it was a bit of a shit show and then um, even so monday was the longest roughest day yeah i'm pretty grateful to to morgan avery and carlos for like doing most of the organization particularly the garage because it looked like a shit show um the garage was tough because we wanted to put everything in the garage for yeah. moving purposes because we had movers coming but the garage was extremely dirty because it had accumulated all our clutter over a whole year and we hadn't cleaned it out one time in that in those 13 months actually that we were there so it was nice to get on top of that though and then from there everything was pretty easy and luckily see you guys this is what we were talking about last time how crazy it was for you guys considering the travel on both sides of it the birmingham trip the pre-trip all that california. for california like you guys have done so much travel and then but for us we could actually do it over like four days. So doing it over four days and just doing a bit every day was not bad. Some days, if I train, if I had a hard workout or a long run, I would do nothing. But then other days when I was feeling inspired, just get in the zone, you know, and get after it. I, I think Gus really took it the hardest. He's Dude. been the most tired of anyone. Dude, Gus has had a rough one just walking around, figuring out everything. Like everything's getting put into boxes and he's freaking out because he thinks that we're always going to leave him there. I, I don't like think he's worked out. House. Yeah, I don't think he's worked out in this new house, like where he's spot is kind of because no. in the old house he had his routine down yeah he had his routine set up and now there's a massive backyard there's a massive front yard the house is way different like i'm downstairs in the basement now so for him like he goes upstairs at night looking for me it's like dude now i'm downstairs you idiot but and now avery's here who's like co-owner yeah, basically avery, and now he doesn't know pretty much <laughs> yeah so avery casillas is our intern slash friend doing some training out here for two months he's about to start at the university of toledo in the fall and him and Gus have a very close relationship because last time he visited Ollie wasn't here and he slept in Ollie's bed. So I think he thought Avery was Ollie. I often wonder how good Gus's senses are. Like when he recognizes a person, do you think he uses smell or a sight or what? I think smell. Definitely. Think I think does? it's smell. It has yeah. to be. Yeah. How what excited a, was he when Avery got to the house? Dude, he was pretty excited. I think like he- Like girl excited? Yeah. Like equivalent to a no, girl he, walking it's in? It's similar to a girl where That's what, he, what he does is you can tell because he'll follow them no matter what they do. Like he'll just, when they walk around the kitchen table, he would just follow them doing loops and loops and loops if that's what they were to do. And that's how he is with Avery. That's how he is with a lot of the girls. So 
yeah, Gus is actually pretty happy with Avery here, but yeah, it kind of confuses. He's still working out the house, but yeah, so that's moving. Honestly, we've come out on the other side of it and already been having very solid long runs slash workouts. So I think overall, not too bad. Pretty good. Yeah, so that's moving. The other early things that we wanted to discuss on this show is one, this week, our coffee club blend, the beans, will rotate. I think it's been two months since we started that. And so it's a new batch of beans coming out this week. So get a bag, check out the new blend. Hop on our website, coffeeclubpod.com, and uh, you can see the info for the beans and stuff. We did the testing and all that again. So that's pretty exciting. That should swap over on Saturday of this week. And then the other thing that we have to talk about is kind of clarifying some stuff that we talked about last week. We mentioned... Because CPT had just gone on this podcast with Horizon Track Club and because he was racing the Prefontaine Mile with Ollie and also he did mention Ollie. So it was very relevant to us. So we discussed it, but we didn't discuss it with our facts quite down in terms of... I don't think we got anything too wrong. I think we got carried away mostly by his outfit. It really yeah. goes... <laughs> I, I don't know. I had this... I think I know that I had this notion that it was his show Mm. And all this, I think the outfit might have contributed to that. I think the outfit made us think it was his show. (laughs) Yeah. So then when we associated with him with that show, because it looked like he was running the show kind of thing, which is actually a positive. Credit to him. uh, Yeah, positive (laughs) thing, because you think like there's pretty good aura if you think that that person actually runs the show. Yeah, but But um, we found out we were wrong about that. We made a bunch of assumptions and he sent us a message to clear stuff up. And so we just want to pretty much read out that message so that, we clear everything up for our viewers as well. He said, yep. one, I'm not affiliated with Horizon. They do their own thing and just wanted to do a podcast thing with me. So Horizon Track Club is its own thing. They just sent Carlos some clothes. Shout out to them. Two, the way the conversation was set up, I didn't get the chance to name other than three runners, but in a story later, I actually tagged much more. So I guess on Instagram, he went back and tagged a bunch of other runners that he didn't mention, such as Josh Kerr, Charlie Grice, Sam Tanner, Neil Gurley, because Neil Gurley. No, no Neil comment. Gurley. No comment. Morgan's getting no started on that. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he wrote it, man. Neil Gurley. What is his name? Gurley? Gurley. Is it Neil Gurley? Oh, if I got that wrong. No. Gool. You know, Gool. Like Ollie, the, correcting some of the pronunciation for once. What is his name? Neil Gurley, I think. I think, yeah, I think that's right. Neil Gurley is kind of a Neil nice Gurley. <laughs> as long as it's good, because my, my one was one. Neil Gurley, like the ghoul. Yeah. That was my they one, but work. Neil Gurley's way better. Neil Gurley's better, yeah. They both were. So Morgan just gave me a beautiful one. <laughs> oh, shit. I hope that doesn't offend him. Um, continuing on, the rest of his message says, and I've been in the game long enough that I've had coaches, agents, athletes come to me before races asking me to take it out and expecting it, so I know what I'm talking about. I don't know exactly what that's in reference to, but I guess it makes sense in the context of the whole conversation. And then he said, to finish off, it was taken out of context because I was saying I'd rather race in Europe where the mentality is different. So I guess... I think you're saying that the mentality in Europe is more, maybe there's more front-running mentality in Europe than in the US. <laughs> yeah. But I think I think also European, like, for example, Diamond League, right? Diamond League is... is there's a lot of European meets. There's like one meet in the US for the Diamond League. So he's probably associating that because a lot of Diamond Leagues, they have paces, they go out hard. Yeah, I, don't mean, I don't think he's talking Diamond Leagues. I think he's talking but I don't think just domestic the, races. But even in Europe domestically, there's Sydney kick races. Yeah, I think the complaint is just... That the US isn't as... <clears throat> I think I think the complaint is that... Races. Yeah, anytime there's a race that seems like it should be set up as more of a trying to run quick race, 
and then but then like that's how a lot of the races are earlier in the season because people are going for standards and qualifiers and all that but then people are still afraid to take it out and he's saying in europe i guess if that type of race exists everyone is on board to be like we're running quick we're going out for it yeah i mean it's hard to assess the validity of those claims i don't know i'm off the top of my head you know I what i, you know I, what I think personally is that there's more to lose for a lot of american or north north america based runners to go all the way over to europe spend all this money and then not go for the time whereas when you're in north america and you travel to california or you travel to somewhere that's pretty close and you get there's not as much investment of like i've spent a lot of money time and effort to get to europe to race fast i'm going to do it whereas when you're in america and you're based in america and you just do a two-hour flight to a meet and it's set up for a fast pace then you maybe instinctively don't think straight away like oh i gotta go for this time like i you know i flew all the way here but it's like oh it's a two-hour flight it's yeah that might be a good point Uh, maybe that's a a mentality that maybe it's not completely like identified but it could be in the back of your head maybe i agree with that because i've kind of had that before where i've gone over to europe for a two or three week trip where I know I'm only doing one or two races and the whole point is the qualifier. qualifier so, yeah. it's like, so maybe I'm, maybe that's a mentality yeah. that could be why it's likely the way it is and maybe that's the way he's trying to describe it and it's just taken out of context. Yeah. It's so situational. I feel it like is this topic's much. just going to be beat to death well, over it's and gonna, over. It's going to continue for <laughs> like, like forever. Front running versus because time trialing. As long as there's standards, this topic's going to come up freaking up. every season. Yeah, I think it is just very situational based on just the, just the kind of coincidence that these front-running amazing milers are internationals, but they're all based here in the U.S., so then they just love... I think it actually started with Josh Kerr. He's the first yeah. one that I can think of that criticized... I don't know. I can't remember yeah, how he said right. it, but he started criticizing the way that they raced the 1500. And He said Americans there, were soft. Yeah, and yeah. from there, it's just kind of snowboard as kind of a bit of a mentality now. that. But it's like it's not true because then I, one American could come through and disprove and that's how i don't know i could see someone like cooper tier i don't know cooper tier's already done a 334 solo it's true it felt like when the world rankings were released when that system came out that maybe this was going to be less of an issue like maybe standards weren't going to be as important like the standard got harder and then they introduced all the world rankings but then but i honestly don't think it's really changed that much i feel like everyone hasn't just stepped up to the new standard and now pretty much everyone well, that's that goes the thing. If has a standard, standard anyway if there's a standard people want to hit it like yeah. if i see a standard in an event and i'm yeah. not hitting it i'm thinking well i'm not good enough there's very few people better. going on ranking yeah. yeah i don't think people are relying on rankings from a mentality standpoint you know they're not they're yeah. not thinking like oh if i ran 335 five times this year my ranking would be good enough they're thinking i gotta break 335 and get that standard it's definitely what girl, girl was thinking <laughs> yeah, yeah. Definitely what, definitely Actually, well me and clicks were talking about this yesterday if like the the change in standards from we're talking about the 5k one from 13 22.5 whatever it was to like 13 13 if that was if it actually people got any better or it was just a mindset change and now people are running faster because that's just the new standard like running 13 21 used to be like seem really hard because that was right under the standard yeah and now like it's just the equivalent is like 13 12 seems like the same as what 1321 used to be is it just like a mindset shift or are people actually that much faster running it was kind of it could a, be both yeah it was a coincidence that it happened at the same time as the new shoe technology as well yeah so it would be interesting to look at the depth and see how that has changed but i think a mentality change is a big part of it because it's just pay, races are going to be paced for 
that type of yeah that time now and people are going for that so is yeah. it just gonna keep going down i guess <laughs> in a couple of years it's gonna be 13 minutes the rankings are weird because yeah people don't really interact or engage with the rankings very much in like the, a big ranking change happened in the 1500 this week what was it Jakob is number one I think he wasn't number time, one honestly. until this weekend. See, it's funny you bring that up because that feels like that should be a big deal. Well, it's just because Chariot... Or if you look at... When you get to the World Athletics rankings for the events, the top probably 10 rarely see movement going up because it's just like... If you're going up, you're you're beating a lot of these guys in like five... I get to have five races, right? And an indoor race or a mile. So, for example, with Stewie and I think the top three, Stewie, Chariot and Jakob, those three athletes have all have one time under 330 in a diamond league. They've all finished top eight in an Olympics or world championships. And they've got like the same, like all those races are just stacked. So like any movement to that, you have to be winning these races. And I think Chariot was at number one for a very long time, but Jakob's now winning these races. He's just moved now to number one, which is crazy because like you'd think after the Olympics and after like um, pre, even after that, and then you just think you'd be moving up. They actually they should away. make a bigger deal about that. They should like have that in a race, especially if Jakob and Chirrut are racing each other. They mm. should be like, they should say that the world number one ranking is on the line because they know they definitely do that. Oh, they know. I'm think I was just watching some French Open highlights today, and they definitely do that in tennis. Like they're mm. like, if this person like wins this tournament, they will they'll be ranked number one in the world after this. I think Chirrut had number one ranking in the 1500 for a very long time too. So like that's a big yeah. shift and. Yeah, if it was talked about a lot more publicized better, it would be pretty cool. But, you know, that's that's the one thing I noticed um, with, the, with the rankings. Yeah, the it, it is weird because it, at the end of the day, it just it doesn't have the meaning in our sport mm. yet what it has in a different sport. Because, yeah, tennis is a great example. If you're the number one rank in the world, that's such a big deal. But in our sport, you could be ranked 15th in the world. Shit, you could be not ranked. But if you go win world champs, or you win Olympic gold, that's all that matters. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So it's still the ranking meaning just isn't quite there compared to the meaning that we, you know, give to the other stuff that already exists in the sport, which I guess maybe that'll shift because the rankings are new. Could, they, they are change, pretty new. Because they are yeah. new. But, Using other sports, the rankings will be around for decades. Yeah. I just don't pay attention to them, and I'm not sure if the fans pay attention to them either. But that's just, but fans can only pay attention if someone's publicizing it. Like, there was talk about, like, how many weeks someone's been at number one in tennis and in golf. Like, well, you can look the at that. number of weeks, consecutive weeks at number one. Like, that would be a cool thing. To you can look at that in world athletics. Like, I mean, for me, my I can look at, I was ranked fourth in the world, and it shows me the consecutive amount of weeks. Huh? See, that's cool. So, what's your ranking right now? Fifth. But I'm just fifth. Like I catch him, kept saying again. No, nowhere near. What do you mean you're just fifth? Do you mean uh, you're close to fourth or sixth? I'm close to the sixth. Oh. I think yeah, Josh Kerr is like five points average away from taking my spot. So but I keep saying, hmm. keep saying, Stewie, Jakob, Chariot, about fifty points ahead of me. So how many per average? How many weeks have you been ranked in the top five in the world now? That must be a long lot of weeks. Yeah, I think I was fourth for a year. Oh, well, like I was end as of the season. season, so probably. Must have been after you a couple of diamond leagues where fourth, you ran fourth really well. Fourth to fifth, about a year. So we should be saying like Ollie ranked top five in the world for fifty weeks now. Like that's pretty cool. That is, yeah. That's just not that, a thing. That, in this that, sport. that will hopefully be a thing, you know. Because if the ranking, we'll just start new, it. Yeah, it'd be cool to have that. Because like I mean, same with the eight hundred or 
um 5k 10k like to to have those rankings maybe under the name when yeah. you when you read the names out it'd be cool to see where yeah, people well, are that, situated that is actually what makes it a bigger deal but in tennis again always has your little number always has it it does and like, that's it would cool. shock it would shock because you know like oh the number one player is playing an unranked yeah player like you look at colin cooper's ranking and you're like wow that that's not as high as i thought or you could look at you know so, uh kerr's ranking is like oh he's ranked sixth i you know like you just look at these different rankings and you're like oh it's cool because then you can see where people are ranked in the world but where they actually perform like Kubertier wins a diamond league he's ranked 12th for example that's pretty cool that is cool a 12th ranked guy beating like number number one number two number whatever that's cool it's it's definitely event a little bit dependent on the event because we were talking to hamish about the high jump and that event for some reason the rankings are way more important because only some like five people in the whole world have the world standard really that's how hard it is so everyone else in the field is is like gets in based on ranking because it's like 233 or 235 or something ridiculous that's what the standard is for the high jump i think so that's so weird they would do that yeah so hamish is he's ranked like number eight in the world but he doesn't have the standard (laughs) it's pretty wild yeah that does make sense it's weird because you often think that they make the standards based off you know what like x amount of people are jumping but i guess it's not like that in every event so yeah i guess rankings do make more sense in those ones but rankings is weird especially for it's actually even more weird if you think about it in a field event because if you're doing high jump how much does it matter if you're at a gold event versus like a un- bronze event you know when you're just jumping over a bar <laughs> like how much difference does that make if you're at a in a distance race it means you're beating really good. I don't know. This the ranking stuff is something that I think we've talked about before, and we'll probably talk about again. But it's yeah. I hope they'll just like continue to improve the system, and like it'll become more knowing what people's rankings are and mm-hmm. become more consistent. Because it would be cool to have like the Olympic final start list, like, and just have numbers next to each person's name, like what they ranked sweet. in the world. They did That'd that be for sweet. the death of worlds. They did. World indoors. Wait, really? Yeah. The 15. Huh. When they had the start list, they had everyone's ranking. Because like, they always have like personal best and season best. Mm. But they had I mean, three. They had personal best, season best ranking. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Maybe we've already done it. They're probably trying to, trying to implement it now. But you know what? I just hope everyone has fun. <laughs> at the end of the day. <laughs> at the end of the day. I just want world peace and everyone have fun. And Gus, stop licking my knee. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that progresses because it might, it might change the way people are perceived in even in getting into races well it already does i think i think your ranking definitely matters for getting into races as well as your agent see this is such a this discussion can go so deep down a rabbit hole it's such a rabbit hole because for those who don't know the diamond leagues obviously are pretty much the top standard below world champs slash olympics but getting into a diamond league meet is somewhat of a political matter because Mm. if you are ranked really well and you have really good time you'll get in but for people that are more on the cusp of trying to get into races, your agent and all that stuff matters. So it's kind of a weird system, but that that there are certain barriers to to compete in these really important races for your rankings that aren't just like performance. So yeah, it, there's a big rabbit hole there to get into if that's like a good system or not. But it's the system we have. So it is the system we have. Just got to be like all in, just. <laughs> go and race the diamond leagues and come second and then you don't have to worry about these problems huh that's a good solution (laughs) 
Yeah. So, yeah, speaking of coming second, I guess it's time to move into the our talk of the Prefontaine Classic, which is obviously the big event that happened this past weekend. It's, you know, the biggest meet in the U.S. on an annual basis. Obviously, this year we have the world champs in the same stadium, so that'll be the biggest one. But it's a massive meet, and especially this year, it was really special because they had the U.S. 10K champs on the Friday night as well. And I think everyone knows that from a distance standpoint, the U.S. has just been getting better and better in the past few years, and the standard is so high now. And obviously, we had a lot of personal investment in these two races because Joe Klecker and Alicia Monson, our teammates, were racing. So trying to make another american team which is never easy never easy never easy so Ugh. yeah i mean i don't know how we want to go about it these two were in the stands cheering them on what was the uh what were the vibes like out there for a 10k it was good to see that there was some like decent fan fan connection out there um bauman otc and um united airlines track club had their own fan sections uh uti track club Probably about three or four people in their fan section. <laughs> they didn't have anyone OTC, in the 10K, though, to be fair. I don't yeah, think yeah no, but I'm just going through. Like, OTC had, like, maybe, you know, like a few, also didn't, few people. I don't think they had anyone. <laughs> and then Bauman, but this was for the whole meet, too. Yeah. But this was my first kind of exposure to it. Bauman had a lot of people. They had the bangers. They had the signs. They had, like, the colors and everything. It was nuts. Like, they had all this stuff. And I'm thinking, do they have the same thing for the other two? groups i mean they were filling like half the field <laughs> yeah it was pretty crazy but it was but yeah it was kind of cool to see um them do that have the fan sections and everything um me, me and george like after going to the olympic trials last year the emotional experience is just like draining so i was kind of scared for my race i don't know how you I felt know you george. it was definitely less emotional i mean and it, it was, was it was it was less emotional because it was it wasn't the olympic trials but it was definitely true. there was emotion there that i was scared that was just gonna wear me down um but me and george uh were there supporting uh sage was also there supporting um it was like the best night for running like oh, it was beautiful it beautiful. Really incredible is. yeah so we'll start off with alicia's race it was um obviously you know like go through usual 10k 25 laps a long time but 5k to go alicia's like it's time to rock and roll she ran a 15-minute 5K. She ran under the she standard she ran for the couple, last she ran two world standards of the 10K. <laughs> That's it crazy. It was nuts. Um, she tried flat. to break Caris, Car, uh, Carissa um, Schweppes. Schweppes. She got a Schweppes. new last name today. Schweppes. Um, but Carissa was was able to hang on and just use Alicia as a bit of a bit of a rabbit. And then just out quicker at the end. But Alicia fought pretty well in that last 200. I thought she did a really good job because like... I cannot imagine, I, I, I'm serious, cannot imagine like how it must have felt to run 5K that quickly on your own in the US, like with the amount of pressure on you. It was just very impressive. She's a tough, tough lady, that Alicia. So I'm really proud of her. Second place is awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was, yeah. Because the first half of the race for Alicia, I guess it was slow, but it wasn't crazy slow, especially no. if you compare it to the men's race, oh. which was actually slow. Jog fest. The, yeah, the the women's race did have people at the front, like keeping it keeping it going. The battle for third was pretty sick. Yeah, Natasha so. Rogers and Emily Emily infield. Um, she's on the outfield because she's running around the track. Um, but she uh she and <laughs> Natasha Rogers <laughs> That's fought, a good point. fought really well, and it was great to see. And obviously, you know, it sucks to get fourth and not make the team, but 
Um, she fought really hard, and Natasha Rogers. I think the last time she made a team was ten years ago. I think. No, I think she didn't well, make it. it. She placed. I think she came. F- and so she didn't yeah. have the standard. Yeah. Yeah. And the standard's probably like two minutes quicker now. <laughs> and she's run the standard and made it. So like, what a great story. Um, congratulations to her. I, mean, but. I think the biggest story of that race was the fact that Elise wasn't running. Elise, oh, Elise changed was running for. Changes a lot. I completely forgot that about her. That's a big span of works. <laughs> A few days before. Yeah, she sent that, um, wasn't really cryptic, but she sent that Instagram post out saying that she hasn't been feeling herself in training. Um, I'm guessing that means that she's injured. Um, or maybe she's tired because she's been killing it. Yeah, that can mean a lot of things, huh? It's, it, it is cryptic, but then it's not cryptic because I feel like it could, it's definitely like either injury or she's over, maybe overtrained a bit or she's sick or that's that's maybe the option. I guess, there. yeah, I guess if you if the reality was just hypothetical if you were overtraining and feeling tired it's kind of hard to say that exactly i think it's hard to diagnose that in the moment to say yeah i've overtrained and i'm tired now i think it you probably mentally i just like yeah i'm not feeling myself that actually seems like the the more of the mental that's how you would like explain it we do have inside sources though that she was on a ultra g in colorado is this confirmed this has been confirmed her dad does own an ultra g this so, is true. It seems possible. It seems possible, but at the end of the day, she said she's going to be running the 5K at the uh, US Champs. That's going to be exciting. I feel like she's better at the 5K anyway. I agree. She's I think amazing. she's she's, a, she's, well, she's an incredible athlete regardless of the event. Um, I reckon she could run a pretty good 15 as well, but I think the 5K is probably going to be her sweet spot. Yeah, but it was a sick race. I mean, credit to Carissa for getting the win, but Matt... Wisner after our, Achilles our, surgery, right? Yeah, coming back from surgery and all that. Matt Wisner had a good tweet that was something along along the lines of, "Carissa may have got the win, but Alicia was the main character of this race. She's the people's champ. Mm-hmm. She was the one that when she made her move, it was so decisive. And the runners behind her, the the women, they were all these amazing athletes. And the way that she was able to just tear that field apart and just yeah. she put, put forty speed. seconds on them. Yeah, forty it's, seconds. It's bro. ridiculous to be able to go to the front and do that. And obviously you'd like to be rewarded with a first place. But I think like in the context of the season, that's still such an amazing performance and moving forward, you, you feel really good about yeah, doing you, that. You can't be disappointed with that because Carissa, obviously those two girls are just so far ahead of everyone else in the US for the 10K right now. And I saw a lot of tweets and I did feel it too, obviously being a teammate because I'm very biased, but people were like, man, I wish Elisa won that race because of how like how she ran it. You know, It was very, right. very commendable. Well, once Alicia starts speed work, yeah, she hasn't no. touched speed work yet, guys. Just making that clear. She's not touched speed work. The only thing she's really been doing is like, you know, she's been doing two hours in elliptical. <laughs> just cross training? Just cross training. She hasn't even started running yet. She hasn't even started running yet, When she starts running? Yeah, she's just been doing cross training, eating a lot of decent, cheese. Decent rust buster. Yeah, decent rust buster for, for the monsoon. But um, it was great to see her. To, to, I always have like the nerve reaction of like, oh God, I just like, if you're watching them and they're like missing, not making the team or like any any anything that doesn't go well, I have that feeling of like, just hating it but I'm really glad to see her punch her ticket and be with us punch in, her in ticket <laughs> nice and nice little cliche punch her ticket to Eugene yeah Eugene Oregon it was, she, I mean that there was the difference between Alicia and Georgia so Alicia had the team in the bag halfway yeah. through the race whereas yeah, yeah. And she then, wasn't going to not make the team it was just racing for let, the win let's move on to Joe's then because that for me was very stressful yeah I was going to ask you guys how it was watching that because you you had Joe is an amazing competitor and he's so good but the amount of bodies that were in that race until the last lap still even through the last lap was crazy and so that's that's like 26 27 minutes of just yeah. pure nerves i imagine 
it was probably the most entertaining 10k oh, I've ever watched. Yeah, for me too. But I think that just is the difference between men's and women's running at the moment. Like, there's women will never like have those laps where they're just like almost walking. Like they, it's pretty rare. It's, it's very, very rare. rare in women's running to be like have a tactical race and it not be strung out at some point. Yeah, but like a men's race coming down to ten people at the bell is is like I feel like just what's come. You just expect that that's what's going to happen. Yeah, it is really weird. Now that you say that, just thinking about how the quality of, for example, the Bauman guys in that race, in terms of you look at their PBs, obviously Grant Fisher, 26, 33, 23. <laughs> and the next yeah. PB, I think, was 2017s. You're like, well, man, yeah. you expect this guy to just get to the front and, and run the race, but he didn't, you know? I guess they all just trust their, their kicks, probably. Yeah, everyone loves to trust the kick, but I don't know. It's It was a weird race i'm not sure did they go through 5k in like 14 minutes actually 14 no i don't i just remember that the first 800 was like 230 230 yeah yeah that's all i remember and then they were like that, it was like five minute pace for like two laps yeah. <laughs> after that was all positioning and i i noticed like and joe did the same thing at the olympics which is like olympic trial sorry and this is what i would have done as well is you key off the guy that you think is going to be there with a, a lap to go and that was grant but grant had terrible positioning the entire race and joe was kind of like King off him quite a bit and I'm thinking maybe not the right guy to key off maybe move a bit forward because he was just kind of in the in a position I didn't like for me personally but Joe knew what he was doing and I think after a certain point in the race he just like went nah screw it so he went and keyed off uh, Sean McGordy and Emmanuel Bohr moving up forward and then when it got down to the nitty gritty part of the race everyone was still in it um, so that made me kind of scared because you never know what's going to happen with those types of races but Joe positioned himself really well um, yeah what what point did he go to the front Dathan called him to go to the front with 600 to go i think Dathan, he wasn't I think in the lead that. he wasn't in the lead but he was next to emmanuel ball and i then, think it was at least two left side i reckon it was just before 800 to go he kind of <laughs> just came up alongside he wasn't in the lead but he was next to emmanuel yeah. ball and then once he got to a lap to go he definitively had the lead and then from then on, I'm thinking, okay, positioning is crucial here. Joe, we know Joe, how he's trained. He's an absolute maniac. Can he like just hold on and do well? And I think at this point, and Joe told me this, obviously he'll talk about it, um, uh, you know, in, in his own time. But he, t- he said that for him, like he was like trying to just make the team. Like that was his, his goal, was his top three, top three. Um, and then when he gave him the 200 to go in a good position and then Grant comes up on him. And then he thought that Grant was just going to take off and then he was just going to lose him. And then he said, Grant wasn't going anywhere. And then that, if you watch the clip, which is so sick, he looks over at Grant and starts going. He's like, yeah. oh shit, I can win this. And then he just comes through and just goes like that and just wins it. And I kid you not, I, Dathan said about 100 swear words, was jumping up and down, just sprinted down. And it was so exciting to um, just to be there, the energy and everything. His parents were there, his sisters were there. It was pretty awesome. Um, and, I, and I was so happy for him. The guy works so hard and, you know, he's, been he's his first pro win really first pro win and like it's going through college like he was obviously notable seconds and double a's he never really had his win you know and this was his and it was fantastic to be there and to enjoy and celebrate with him the coolest thing as well i think was that i think this is the first non-nike athlete to win the 10k at the u.s champs for a very long time because if you look back at it you have woody kincaid you have Galen Rupp, you have Dathan Ritzenhain, you have... Yeah, I think Galen won it for like eight years in a yeah, row. You have all crazy. these Nike athletes that have won it for so long. I think Joe must... Yeah, Joe's like the first one in a very long time to not have a, a tick on his chest and cross that line 
winning a US title in the 10. So that's really cool for, for on. Yeah, especially for to do it, especially do it in their backyard as well. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So really, really proud of him. Um, super exciting, and yeah, it was just great to be there. I think Jordy and I definitely got the uh, the energy, and it was it was great. Yeah, I would say watching on the TV, it was really good when Joe went to the front because you knew he was going to be clear of a lot of the jostling and stuff that can happen in those last couple of laps. But at the same time during that last 400 when you just saw the caliber of athletes that were lining up behind him it was kind of like all right which one is gonna start a fat kick and then yeah as you said it didn't really happen grant went past him and i think grant at one point with 100 to go was in front of joe he definitely definitely had a a little (laughs) gap on on joe but then it just didn't it it seemed like he went all all out like he, he already hit his gear whereas joe looked like he had another gear yeah so um it was pretty um pretty sick to see Joe just look over and go, he's not going anywhere. Yeah. You know? And Joe, and Joe just, had another gear. Joe had another gear. And Joe stayed relaxed and came through the line and it was just it was a very, very exciting um ten K, so Yeah. It, it was, was good to be there and to Credit to Sean making the team on McCauley. the last final meters. Dude, Bauman Bauman know how to uh, do the Achilles surgery comeback. They really do. Have, they have two They've athletes got that nailed. <laughs> They've got the nails, Achilles secret? surgery, and then head in and just make the team for Worlds. Achilles impressive. surgery, then make the team. Yeah. That was wild to think that Bohr would have made it if he didn't fall over. He looked like he was looking, like he was turning around a lot with 50 minutes. Like, dude, just look in front, stay relaxed, keep going. Like, Because he was trying to like cut, maybe cover it. I don't know what he was doing, but he kept turning around and he just fell. I guess you're just completely exhausted. Your legs. I mean, I, I, can't, I can't imagine it with a 10K. But it just looked like it was like too focused on what was behind him and should have just kept... Yeah, he was so close, you know. It just it was heartbreaking. How tired do your legs have to be oh. to fall with ten meters to go? Like they got to be so jelly legs. Yeah, jelly, jelly legs. Absolutely. So man, that sucks for him. But I mean, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the reality, <laughs> that's the reality of the reality US sports. That's yeah. how it is. It's like one person's uh, ecstasy is another person's heartbreak, and that was this is Sean McGordy's first senior US team, I believe, and. If you've been following the sport, I think he's someone that's also pretty easy to root for. He's someone who supremely talented, great mm. racer, and but has had quite a few setbacks in terms of injury since becoming a pro. So to see him persevering and then succeeding in this way, it's pretty awesome. He seems like just one of the most likable guys. I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before. Those Stanford guys, man, they're just so perfect. <laughs> I hate it. Hate it. I hate it. They're so perfect. I don't really think they're perfect. <laughs> yeah exactly guys yeah it's just like they're just seem like the nicest people in the world they got a nice stanford degree and they're just these amazing runners so yeah you definitely are happy to see them succeed i guess even though you're jealous of how great they are <laughs> and how handsome they are yeah they're all actually are pretty good looking and so then the rest of the friday night was all these world record attempt races did you guys stick around for them? Or you guys <laughs> no, no. I mean, like to it be honest, al- it was already freaking late. Yeah, and I really, I mean, I feel like I've mentioned this a lot of times. I couldn't care less about a world record attempt. Yeah, Jordy, <laughs> Jordy only cares about the the kind of racing, racing. You know, as soon as they started slowing down the ten k, I was like, hell yeah, this is gonna be freaking sweet. <laughs> this is Jordy's Jordy's cup of tea. <laughs> the funniest thing though, we didn't mention before is that we were heading down to uh, to go to the bus, the shuttle bus, in the elevator, and we opened the elevator and. Uh, Philip and Jakob were in the elevator. They were Ingi. Sh- Ingi, my boy Fingy and Jingi. Uh, <laughs> they were in the elevator going down to their shakeout. 
and they were actually quite friendly, a lot more friendly than they had been Very in the past. Very friendly. Probably been listening to the pod, obviously. Um, <laughs> but they they came like they we walked in and I was wearing like a just a nice jumper and like I, we weren't dressed in running attire, we were just dressed, dressed in nice casual gear. And uh, Jakob just goes, "Oh, you got what are you guys doing?" And I was like, "Oh, I got teammates running in the tank. We're gonna go watch." And then uh, Philip made a comment. He's like, "Oh, okay." He's, he's like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna try and make him run a 10k at some point." And Jakob says, "Yeah, I'll definitely run a 10k." And like was very very confident that he was gonna like run like a really good one. Damn. And, um, yeah, and then they were just like they were kind of joking around that we were heading to the track because they knew that we were racing the next day. Yeah. But it was they, pretty, they were going out for an easy two hours. They were going out for an easy two hour <laughs> threshold, um, ten by mile at three fifty pace. Um, standard pre race. Yeah, standard pre race stuff. Pre-race. You know. The usual stuff that uh, last last minute last minute fitness night before. <laughs> yeah. So Jakob said he's racing a ten k this year, or just at some point. No, I think at it, some it point was, it was pretty vague. Yeah, I think he was. It wouldn't just, be any surprise. Yeah, because I he he kind of asked me if I'd run a ten k, and I was like, God no, mate. Yeah. Isn't God, he, no. He's run. He's on the road. On the roads, right? Yeah. Twenty seven something on the roads. Yeah, I mean, especially the way they train. Yeah. What's he? Doesn't he run like a thousand um, miles a week? Yeah. yeah so it's. <laughs> Pretty Why natural. would you not run a 10k? <laughs> natural. I could see him. I could, I could definitely stupid. see it. Um, but no, we didn't stick around for the world records because we had a pretty good suspicion that that wasn't going to go down. Yeah. And it didn't. Um, the guy is a bit of a showman, though. I feel like because it seems like you know he was deep got behind um, the guy, another Ethiopian guy. I can't remember his name. Um, oh, I'm sorry, but he was he kind of didn't take the lead after that when they knew they weren't going to get the time. He kind of just slipped back into second, closed hard celebrated he was wearing a prototype of the new uh nike shoes that are probably coming out but he's a cool dude man i feel like he's pretty uh pretty cool dude i just don't i i kind of agree with george like the the world record attempt if there's no one else going for it and it's just one guy running on a track it's just it's hard to be that invested in it and i feel like it would have been cool if they just put all the athletes together and just forgot about the 5K. yeah imagine if all those guys were in the george's 5k the next it would have been pretty sick would have been yeah. well they should have had just all of the 5k that night when it was freaking nice it was beautiful conditions <laughs> it was yeah. horrible it was <laughs> if you're gonna run a world record especially it was that the freaking Arigawi. they had the wrong dude going for the world record <laughs> based on the next day <laughs> yeah it was weird it's like you feel like if there's a world record attempt then people are going to be really really on it and they were just a little bit off especially with the conditions being really good but i don't know it's i guess a world record attempt is tough in that way because yeah once you put that out there anything less than that is a disappointment it is yeah so, and i mean i got a name for Aragawi. what is it arrow mahi mahi oh that actually that doesn't work very well <laughs> it's very <laughs> kiwi of you mahi mahi was isn't that a fish oh that is fish yeah mahi mahi what do you say george arrow mahi mahi do the oh, mahi is work so mahi means work in yeah. maori as well there you go a bit of a Jordy's, double meaning Jordy's, Jordy's in, in, uh, <laughs> oh in yeah um yeah it was just it was hard to get invested in that as, as, a, as a fan of the sport it's hard to be invested in that because i'm probably gonna be more invested in the pre, like the diamond league 5k the next day because it's just i think it's gonna be a cool race but yeah if you they, do they do definitely could have combined those two fields they were both really small fields well, how many was surprising. there's only 11 right in there's the, 11 in my race yeah that there was more there was five more people in yeah there was five more people in the 5k yeah it's so weird it's nuts man and yeah. like i mean to be honest personally i think the mile in the 1500s the past two diamond leagues have been way too many people in them and i feel like at least no one fell this time that is true that it is definitely true. made the mile entertaining with more bodies yeah 
yeah like this one this yeah freaking it, sweet race. it did but it's also extremely dangerous to start with 17 guys on a line on a curve that is a lot it's very dangerous like if you're considering the the fall that we had in birmingham the amount of guys trying to get to like everyone knows it's gone quick it's it's pretty dangerous like you shouldn't have that many people do on you line. do you fit 17 people on one line they did yeah yeah, yeah they just did it on a but sewinski wasn't on on the track Swinski was literally off the track. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was wondering how they were There's a photo of him next to... Uh, who's he next to? Oh, I can't remember. I thought it was it might have been Colin um, Sal- Sal- Salami. Um, but it's... <laughs> what? That's a good one. Yeah, Colin Salami. Good. Mr. Um, Salami. Mr. Salami. With um, Mr. Lynx as his coach. I like to call him that. It smells like Lynx. Lynx, that's a deodorant for anyone who's wondering. X. It's called uh, Axe. It's yeah. called Axe here, sorry, I apologize. Yeah. Um, Mr. Axe. Mr. Axe body spray. Yeah. But they, they were literally, he wasn't even on the track. Like, yeah. it was I mean, pretty that crazy. that was like us at Sound. We were just standing in the dirt. Yeah, but that's... 40 people. That 5K, 5K. Yeah, that 5K was also too many people. But yeah. you're going to fit people into meets like that. But at Diamond League, you I should mean, structure the, the meet appropriately with the right It's a bummer having a lot of people right at the start. But once you're in the race, bodies are good. Like you want, I, I don't agree with that for a mile because I want better positioning. <laughs> like for for a race, proper championship race, m- maybe. But mm. I, I think for a five k, like if you had you had eleven, I think for five k, seventeen is pretty good number. Yeah, that'd be good in a five k for yeah. sure. You can easily have as many as the mile, if not like you can More. have twenty. Yeah, in a five, you could have twenty in a five k, especially if they're running as quick as the yeah, pace as was. long as it's strung out. Yeah, doesn't really matter as much, but. Yeah, I guess we're talking about the Saturday because there's not much to talk about. There's one record attempts. Well, that, just like, and then the one thing we can get off the summary. world record attempts is that they were attempted and they didn't happen. Yeah. And I mean, we know who Chapter Guy is. He's a fucking amazing athlete, but... Already has the world record. Already has the world record, but it, pre... Like that, sorry. It just wasn't, wasn't the place to do it. It just wasn't. And I think, yeah, it was a bit of a disappointment. Yeah. So... Done. It is what it is. Moving it is on what to it is. the actual... <laughs> Diamond League part of it, which was what these boys were racing in. It was Maybe one one right before the Diamond League. Gurley and Tanner getting the standard. Oh, yeah. Right oh, yeah. Dude, that was so annoying. You know what was so annoying is that that wasn't on TV. You, there was no way Wait, to really? watch There was no way to watch The stream that. started after that? Yeah. Really annoying. Dude, hashtag not good Weird. for the sport. Why the hell would you not do that? The International 1500 meter had a great field too. Two years in a row, won by a Kiwi. Gonna have to keep that keep oh, that streak fa- alive. That's fantastic. Apparently George. they said that over the That's fantastic. That's pretty cool. figure. Dude, I can't wait for um Ollie Chiggy to come in for the fifteen hundred <laughs> next year and win it. Can't wait for Nick Willis to make a comeback. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Willis Willis will have to take it on. Willis year. is coming back for it. But yeah. Um, yeah, that's very disappointing. And obviously congratulations to Sam Sam Tina. Um three thirty four. Mm. Neil Gurley finally Neil Gurley, sorry, finally gets under the standard. He's been chasing. And it was actually a pretty good race by a lot of people. I think a lot of people ran pretty quick. I think Prequel cool PB too, but he said he 36, 36. Low, maybe? Yeah. For fourth? Yeah. I can't wait for five years from now when we're talking about Prequel cool and we go like, wow, this guy's run under 338 150 times <laughs> yeah. in his career. He's going to be that guy. Yeah. He's going to be like Suwinski running under 150, 200 times. No doubt in my mind he's going to be that guy. He's yeah. going to be like so sub- consistent. Yeah. yeah. But that 1500 was cool. It's very disappointing that it didn't, uh, hmm. didn't broadcast that. Yeah, what was the conditions like during the day, were they did they get worse throughout the day, or are they always yeah mixed bag? It got I'd progressively say. worse. It, it, it did. It did go from like sometimes a little bit good, then it, would it go definitely what every five minutes it was changing. Yeah, but it got progressively worse. Yeah, yeah, that is a shame. So, I mean, we can talk about George's five k because that was that's pretty early on. Yeah, 
That's a weird race, man. Like watching it was a weird race. Very hard to watch because it was so split up. Mm. So and they only really show mile. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, well, what do you know? Where you went out in for the mile? Yeah, I feel the front like four oh nine four like right at six four maybe four ten. I think the pace was like sixty two five at the front. Yeah, I don't know. Ari Gawi gone off by then on his own. Not quite. Maybe I don't. I don't think. I think the pace was still there. I think when it hit 3K, I think he passed the pace and they dropped off. Yeah, I'm not sure where, where 742. he dropped them, but yeah, he dropped them pretty early. 742 yeah, was his 3K, 3K split. And then from then on, he looked like he was constantly sprinting, relaxed. Yeah, relaxed sprinting. He never looked like he, he was looked trying like, He didn't look like he was trying was, that hard, but his arms and his legs, they looked like he was like running 400 repeats. It was like it 61 looked, point the whole it, way. It was ridiculous. It was um, like... and. I'm not going to diss the people that went there that are obviously watching the meet. Like, congrats, like, lovely to have that. But I think people didn't really understand what was going on because they were, like, cheering him on. Like, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Like, but the thing is, people should have... Who, I mean, real track fans probably realized the gap that he put on the people that were in that other pack, Mohamed, like, Borrega, um, Tefera. Tefera. These are these are guys that are global. These are hashtag heavy hitters. Hitter, like all like certified heavy hitters. World champ, Olympic champ, world champ, yeah. Olympic, Olympic, Olympic silver, silver medalist. Like these guys are like, and they weren't here to, to mess around. They were here to win this race. They got completely destroyed. By how did guy. that happen? Like, how did they? Were they just not feeling it, or were this, I think the they conditions were that bad? Maybe maybe they just all made the decision that like, they just weren't going to go with him. Yeah, they well, the conditions weren't great. But Mo was definitely must have been feeling good before the race, or at least thought he was in. He wanted to go so out quicker, didn't he? Like I was telling you, he was asking yeah. the pacer to run faster than the prescribed pace. He wanted 61s. 61s. <clears throat> for for cool, like that's Because uh, the pace was already like 12.56 or something. Yeah, it was quick. Sixty. If he did want 61s, that's 12.42, I think. Yeah, I mean, maybe it was 61 points. <laughs> that's crazy. It was pretty 12.50 or something yeah. like that. Pretty probably more, yeah. The that's world record crazy. attempt was slower than the actual pre-5K. Significantly. <laughs> Significantly. <laughs> so yeah. Seven Gwai, seconds. He ended up winning in what, 12.50? 12.50 flat. He crossed the line and... Do you I look kid, tired? Did you not? Look chill. I don't think he even like put his hands on his hips. He I was, mean, was He was... He was the guy the first race of the year looked like the best distance around the world. He ran 7.26 in January. He looked on and, we like, and then the, he, and then he didn't make the final indoors. He yeah, didn't make it to the world final. I just don't. So now weird. he's back. Apparently, he's back. Maybe he's like championship racing. Maybe he just gets super nervous because yeah. it seems like he hasn't been able to deliver on that front. But on a on a, a regular diamond, diamond league, league, this guy's diamond a, league champ. He's though. a world beater. Is he? Is he? Yeah, young? on that stupid. Yeah, he won, Mario the, he Kart. won the street course. Yeah. That stupid Mario Kart course. Yeah, <laughs> that's sick. That, honestly, it's a Mario Kart course. It's ridiculous. It's like like swerve and stuff. It's crap. Yeah, but yeah, I mean. It was just a, it was a really weird race to watch. Honestly. It was miserable. Yeah, and I watched George and like and I, I thought Jordy like was doing a really good job just trying to like stay in a position where you're in like a really shit situation, um, but it just looked like a hard race to be to be in. You know, like yeah. it just wasn't didn't look like it was comfortable at all. The weather wasn't great, and like there's not many bodies around you, so you, it's hard to work with people. And it was just like three definitive groups: Awagawi, our Mahi Mahi. Yeah. Um, the uh, the, heavy the he- certified heavy hitters, getting and then you have Oceana, <laughs> yeah, Oceana really and was. Guatemala, like literally in that third pack. Yeah, yeah. watching on the TV, I could tell that you were switched on and you were pretty intentional what you were doing because I could see you. It felt like you were making all the right moves. It, that was on. the thing. Like, I, I the pace actually felt really good through like probably only a mile. Maybe maybe I was at two k on it because I was like, and then 
even when maybe someone went here, like me and Luis ran a couple laps together and we were like, I kind of like said a few words to him. Like it was feeling pretty comfortable. And then I got so fucking tired. Really? <laughs> I just wanted to like lie down. After okay? Okay to go? No, probably like earlier. I don't know, halfway maybe. I mean, the travel. I was just exhausted. Yeah. we The, the back-to-back and, is pretty hard to go from the UK, you know, to, to pre and then run a fight. Like it's just, it's just a hard thing to do, like if you're not used to it. That was the other thing that I thought watching a bunch of the athletes race. I think it was pretty hit and miss with the people that went back-to-back Birmingham pre. And I think it is always like this when people race back-to-back. It's pretty hit and miss because that's kind of how I felt about even some of the people in your race, Ollie, and some of the other guys that were out there. Like some of them just seemed a little tired. And I was like, yeah, it's probably the travel. Yeah, it honestly is. And particularly for people that, I mean, we have an advantage because we're so used to this time zone. But a lot of those like African guys and stuff, they're not used to like, UK time zone then they got to come over this time zone like it's very different like it's just hard you know and especially if the, the race is getting split up that much like that's when it would be so nice to have more than 10 people in the race because that's what I'm saying there should so be more people. few people around yeah. you it's not super motivating no yeah. it isn't and I think that's it's like why. it's like raining there's like two people next year it's like fuck they'll learn from their mistakes hopefully miserable yeah and then you gotta try to lead that pack and it's like yeah it takes I was a lot already of leading the chase yeah. pack after like they, you don't like leading too, so that early. Usually in the last 10 meters, you like leading. Um, <laughs> George prefers leading the last 10, 10 meters. meters. Yeah. But I think next time they'll hopefully learn from that mistake and put that 5K record thing in the past and then just put these two amazing, talented fields together. Yeah, so Ideally, they would have just kept it at a 3K. That was, I feel like that was the main reason I was in pre, was that originally it was, it was a 3K. It was a 3K, correct. Usually it's a two-mile. It was a two-mile last year. Yeah, but it was 3K. And then only a few weeks before the race some like it had been switched to a 5k because mm. people were requesting it apparently interesting yeah well anyway there's anyway. always more races always more races yeah it was i don't know it was a tough one but yeah moving on from that um before we get to the bowman mile we should talk about the women's 800 because we had sage herda sage herda in there and she she's definitely it's been a big thing for her recently very focused on racing mm. rather than worrying about i think time or anything else and it's really well reflected in the way that she goes out there and gets after it it's like she was for a lot of that race just in like the perfect spot so, i mean it's very similar to how we talked about her race in Birmingham, where she's puts herself up there and then i mean the the girls that she's racing against are so amazing so like it's tough when they come around you at the end and they have these big kicks that they've been saving up but I feel like she's doing a great job, huh? I agree. I think anybody coming out from college to run professionally, your dream is to run Diamond League races. And not just to run them, but to compete. And that's what Sage is doing. That's her second sub to 800 PB. She's running against Keely Hodgkinson, who's like one of the best 800 meter runners in the world. Um, I think she's just done an amazing job being able to like compose herself and run so well in such a deep field. And it's, and it's actually a good promise for the US trials, I think, because the way she's positioned um, and we know how strong Sage is from the strength background in Colorado, the rounds are just going to help her um, at the US champs. And I think she's got a real good shot at making that world's team. And that's what she's obviously aiming for. And the confidence too, you can see it coming coming through. Um, but it was awesome to, to, to see her. I mean, I, I got really g'd up for her at birmingham i was like shaking her shoulders like yeah that's that's all like it's so sick because like to be able to compete in those races 
um, it just gives you a good confidence of like, I belong here. And I think she's got that. Um, and it's going to give her great confidence going to the US champs um, after that performance. So it was pretty awesome to see and really, really excited for her. Yeah, it was sweet. But then the the biggest, I think, I'm going to say the Bowman Mile was kind of the coolest, probably the coolest race. It normally is. Me, which makes sense. It's the Bowman Mile. <laughs> <laughs> it's got all the these amazing athletes out there. And I think they tried to make the 100 super special this year. That's why they put the 100 off the Bowman Mile because, yeah, the Bowman Mile is normally the last one. But then when um, Marcel Jacobs, dude, that guy, he's got a body. He's crazy. He's so hot. When that guy pulled out, he it kind of watered that down a bit. And then I think it was definite. The Bowman Mile was was the race of the meet, and it was it was a it was a very interesting one as well. It was sick. The pace was hot. It was red hot. What'd yeah. you What'd you go through eight hundred in? For one fifty, I don't know. I think fifty four. So was fifty two high. So 52. I was pretty far back. That was what the I was going to say. The pack was probably fifty three high, fifty four. Yeah. That's what I was going to say, Ollie. I feel like you this is the first time in a long time that i can think that you weren't at the front like you were a lot further back than normal and yeah. that like maybe like a yeah. touch word for a second but then you looked super relaxed there and you navigated the field really well yeah, yeah no it was it's funny because i mentioned after birmingham to date and i was like i gotta work on this last hundred this last hundred is like it was, it was shift like because I, I was there positioning was great but i just couldn't execute um for me personally my race plan of closing down and the one thing that I got from from Dathan, well, from just like anybody to tell me, I was like, you look kind of tight, just relax, try and run through the last hundred and just not put so much pressure on it. Uh, for me personally, my race plan was not to be as far back as I was. I wanted to be right on Jakob or Kipsang because those are the two guys right now that are certified fresh heavy hitters uh, in the mile. And I tried to get my good positioning, but I just got swamped by Haywood and these other guys. And the one thing that annoyed me with that is that they'd swamp me to get that position because it's like the money the money spot is behind Jakob. But the problem is they don't stay there. They just let him go. And I'm like, I, I, I wish, I mean, maybe I couldn't stay with him, but I'd love to be in that I'd position. I'd love to try. <laughs> yeah. And then it kind of, it started to, again, I got into a position where I realized I wasn't going to be in contention for the win, but I could be in contention for a top three finish, hopefully. Um, but I was getting swamped. Cooper Teardrop and Cole, Cole uh, Cocker were definitely... Uh, out for blood, I think, because they were swamping me quite a bit. And, and uh, it was just a bit of a running that quick and the r- amount of bodies around you, amount of that talent around you, you definitely start to question yourself a little bit. But I did have a fundamental belief that I could beat these guys in the day. So there's like water. I don't know if this was happening to you, George, but there's water hitting me in the face. Like I couldn't really see. I was like trying to get clear so I could have my own uh, view. But I really didn't get that until... About 300 ago, I moved up a little bit, but then I got swamped again. Um, Jakob was just clear. Like the yeah. guy was just like, the guy had so much control of the race where it just, it was kind of, it was annoying. Cause I don't like, it just felt like it was too, it was handed to him a bit. Um, I think Chariot and Kip saying, particularly Kip saying racing so much, I think he's starting to lose a bit of that sharpness. Chariot's coming back from a hamstring injury. So he's, I think he's like just happy to get back into racing. Um, he said hello to me as well, which is pretty sweet. Did he say Cheerio? He said Cheerio, yeah. <laughs> he said, he said, why are you telling everyone that my favorite cereal is Cheerios? He's like, no, no, that's not what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, no, he didn't say that, but he said hello. And he's a very, very nice, sweet guy. Um, but yeah, I, I really wish I was up there further up. 
And then I remember going around 200 meters to go and I was thinking, well, it's now or never. This is the kick. And I got into lane three, I think, or lane two, or I was not, I was pretty, I went outside and I just went, stayed relaxed. And then I was able to come away with a second place finish. So it was a great finish for me. I just wanted to be up further up, but hopefully I'll get that chance in Oslo. But it's always <laughs> sick to run that well at a Bowman mile, you know, like there's a three miles that you want to do well in is Milrose, Bowman Mile, and Dream Mile, I think. I like the three big miles. And two of them I've had now really great experiences and great races with, and I'm very, very fortunate for that. So Got a, got, a, got that third one coming up soon as well. Yeah, I got, got the Dream Mile coming <laughs> up the trifecta. But, but to be yeah. able to beat Kip Sang, Chariot, um, well, I mean, all those talented guys, it gave me a lot of confidence. That's I some think, huge scopes right there. With, I didn't yeah. have in Birmingham. Because I think Birmingham, I was like, I, I thought I was going to be able to make that jump. Um, and maybe I didn't win the race in Bowman, the Bowman mile, but I definitely got a lot of confidence of knowing that I can close down on these guys. Yeah, I Spri- think surprised it took you this long to figure out if you're further back means you can run faster the yeah. last hundred. I thought I thought I kind of I knew you would have, uh, but the pro is I couldn't you win the race. I was too far back. <laughs> it's true. That's you know? true. Well, I think saying, I think uh, I also finished. I didn't. Okay, this is a bit of a knob thing to say. I actually didn't feel that tired. Really? Yeah. I, I was it was a bit of a shock the last hundred but when i was walking around like i did a workout afterwards and i felt really good and i'm thinking maybe i could have been able to hold up with Jakob and maybe not close as hard but be competitive with him not beat him but be competitive yeah. i think i could have had that if i my race was a bit different i was able to hold that position but you'll never know and maybe that's just the way the race was was going to go for me and i raced it <coughs> the best way i could but i think saying that it got handed to Jakob doesn't give him enough respect because he absolutely took that for himself yeah but and controlled the whole thing like there's nothing was handed to him he absolutely dominated it but he i think did. the problem is the people that were behind him i like because if you if you look at it he ran in 349 i ran 350 it's like a 0.8 a 0.7 difference i think he was a little bit handed to him because they didn't actually make that commitment to go with him they were too scared i think the guys in that field can actually go with him but they didn't do it that's what I think. Well, I'm, I actually, you're right. I don't want to take it away from him, but he was able to have the last laugh with that brilliant comment, which was fantastic. But <laughs> I do think that the guys in that field didn't commit. I, th- I think he he still would have won the race. He might have even run. I think he could have run 47, but he didn't. He didn't need to. He ran 49 and he won it. So. Yeah, he looked really good, but it is interesting to think in an alternate reality where you had just gotten behind him, you know, from the start or whatever. I think when he makes the move, well, I, I don't even know if you call it a move or other people slowing gradual. down. It was much gradual. less than... La- it was way more entertaining than last year because last yeah. year it was just Jakob and Stewie yeah. off the front. Like, this was a much more of a race with the whole field. Yeah, but I was going to say, I think if Ollie was behind him, Ollie would have stuck on him for as long as you could. Yeah, so and that would have been really interesting to see. Definitely not saying that I would have beaten him, but I think I would have been a lot closer to him and maybe been more competitive so, for the win, not yeah. for saying that. Yeah, I just... I just think positioning-wise, I didn't do what I should have done. Yeah, but on the flip side, you did outkick all these amazing runners. And I'm not sure if you remember, but last week on the podcast, you, what you said is you wanted to work on that last... Like when talking about your race tactics, you wanted to work on that last 100 and, and have a good close. So you went and nailed that. So that, that's pretty cool. And that's, I think, yeah, a lot of the listeners were like... Because I got messages and stuff, people telling me to tell you congratulations <laughs> for you, like doing exact, pretty much exactly what you said you wanted to do. Obviously, yeah, you would have wanted to be a Yaka, but and I didn't get punched. Oh, so much to yeah. people's upsetness that <laughs> upset upsetness. Do they upset? Um, people were upset. 
in the yeah. stands. They said, well, we're really looking forward to you getting punched in the face. <laughs> I don't know if Cooper and Cole knew about that. They must I think have. They did. Yeah, they're just pretending they didn't know about yeah. it. At this point, I'm convinced that they hear about most of the stuff, but they try to play it cool. Yeah. Yeah, I tried that they don't listen to it. I tried to invite them on the pod, and it just didn't didn't go well. Didn't stick really. I don't think they. I I definitely think it's funny that uh, Cooper T. Obviously, it's a joke, but him saying he's his biggest rival is uh, Yaka Bingabrison. I don't think it is. You think think he actually thinks that? No, I don't think he does. But I think if he wants to actually have a rivalry, he has one. Who's that? I think it's. I think it could be me. If we keep racing against each other and we keep stirring the pot. Yeah, I don't well, think Cole's more of a teammate. Rivalry to make a team, sure, but I, I mean, feel like what this comes down to is Rachel McArthur. Let's be real; <laughs> <laughs> that's that's where the rivalry yeah. actually comes from. I'll, I'll lose. I'll lose. <laughs> like that's <laughs> where you get that. Yeah, that's. I'll, I'll lose that battle. No, I, I think it was saying, more. Like, I think it's more like particularly not. I don't think it's that thing. I think it's more of the four by mile and yeah. and a lot of the stuff I've said, which I do talk a lot of shit. But I do like to kind of spark up a rivalry with them because I think it would be cool. Hey, what do you mean keep racing each other? Isn't this your first race? You no, we can keep other. racing each other yeah, as, as rivals. This, you this, already had this was your first race. No, but I'm, what I'm saying is rivalry-wise, if he's joking about Jakob's rivalry, I think he, a rivalry is coming that could be between me and him. <laughs> That's this guy. I think I, we I could have a rivalry. You, I see what you're saying. I mean, I, I think me and Kurt, like the rivalry is from me beating him in NCAAs, but even from then, I never really raced him. Yeah. It's just because of that race. Yeah, um, but no, I, I think you can have a ride with him. You have to take a lot I more trips. Have a with, a lot just, more trips out he, to Eugene. He won't. Uh, he doesn't leave that place. Yeah, I know. He won't accept me on LinkedIn. But I want to <laughs> kind of start this rivalry up, and we can talk about it and have a discussion. But no, I mean honestly, for them pers- personally, Cooper and Cole, I think ran a really good debut Diamond League personally because I think it's hard to race with that type of field well. Like your first time, it's like except your first for the, time. Except for the to Olympic it. final, which Cole did. But still, like I think that's. It's, I don't agree with that. You think this is a step above the Olympic final that he raced? No, I don't think it's a step in? above. I think it's different. I think yeah. the Olympic final is the Olympic final. I think Cole was on fire, knew how to get through rounds. We've seen that with the U.S. trials. I'm not talking about getting through the rounds. I'm talking about how he performed in the Olympic final. He, did he performed amazing. really well in the Olympic final. But yeah. I think with the Diamond League, like there's more people in that race than the Olympic final, right? There's 17 guys. It's it's been paced out pretty hot, and it's in a start. It's in a part of the season that I didn't really see um, as a as a place where like you're going to be on fire, like really really switched on. It's like your first. I think that was his first race, wasn't it? No, he's raced a bunch. What do you mean? He just raced the week before. He raced Mount in LA. Sa- Did you yeah. run fifteen hundred? Yeah, I thought you ran eight hundred. No, he's raced nope. he's raced a bunch, and obviously yeah. they did their time their four by mile. Anyway, I still stand on my point. No, that I see what you're saying. I think it's they did a great de- debut Diamond League. They I definitely think it was, did. I think it was really good from them because there's a lot of pressure that goes into that, particularly being competing at a home Diamond League as well, which I will never experience. But I think they did a great job. I just no, they did. commend them for that because I feel like it's really hard. The Diamond League's fucking hard, and people like Yucca make it look so <clears> easy when it's not. So it's true. And I think they'll build on that and do really well. Yeah. The uh, Jakob statement after the race was funny. Jakob does keep saying funny stuff after races now. I feel Mm. like he can get away with doing whatever the fuck he wants. As he should. Did you see his other comment about like what he might race? What did he say? He said he might do a three k, five k, ten k half marathon, marathon. But he says his schedule might not allow. That was at the European Champs. Yeah. Yeah. They asked him about doubling at Worlds, and he said yes. 
to doubling, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and then they asked, k And they said, what do you want to do in your mean chance? And that's what he said. Yeah, he said 15, 3K, 5K. Like, he's just naming steeple. all these events. Steeple. He's like, but I don't know if that's possible. Yeah, he's he's a fuck, he's an animal. He's a different beast he's right now. He's a funny now. dude. And yeah, he's talking about the 1500. It was, what, what was the quote? The one that everyone's laughing about? Yeah. So they said, are you disappointed that no one went with you after the pace dropped off? And he says, you can't be disappointed with um, people not being better, unfortunately. I mean, and, he, and literally, if you watch the if you watch the way wrong. he says it, there's no hesitation. He knew the yeah. question was coming. He had it prepared in his head. Yeah. And a guy like that saying that sort of thing, it's just like you're just building this mountain of confidence. I don't know if he had it prepared. I think that's just literally what he thought. They just asked him if he what he thought of no one helping him. I feel like he's pretty he's pretty pragmatic with that type yeah, of stuff. It was just he's what scary. came out is exactly what he thought. Now you wouldn't expect someone to say that, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. he didn't even think twice about it. Yeah, it's pretty funny. The The other thing that you guys brought up, which was interesting, I didn't really notice this a ton on the camera. I guess I wasn't looking for it, but you guys brought up how the crowd was a little bit lackluster at Haywood, crowd which was really surprised small. me. This is Tracktown USA, baby. This is Haywood, Tracktown, Haywood Magic, baby. Tracktown USA, Haywood, the best place on the planet for track. Seriously. So it's what, definitely not the best place on the, the planet for track. What was the capacity? Capacity was, like I think for the stadium, it? it's supposed to be 18,000 for the World Champs. It is currently not because they do not have the seating there yet. And they literally did not have, I think on the other side, the back straight, they, like, they had like literally taped up all these seats to cover it. So like, I don't think, I think there was like maybe 5,000. Really? Yeah. I guess the numbers are probably out there somewhere. But it's the like smallest, maybe, maybe half full, if that. Smallest like diamond five league. Five to ten, okay. Smallest diamond league. That's so weird. Crab. I thought, I mean, it is a weird thing. Like, Eugene is not that big of a town. I guess people there love, there's a lot of old people there that love track from back in the day, but. It probably didn't help that there was forecast like storms. Yeah, but I don't, no, I don't Just agree with that. I think, like, you go to any European Diamond League, there will be people in rain jackets there comp- watching. Like, they love their ponchos on. I, I think. People overestimate Eugene a lot with like the, oh, it's Tracktown USA, like everyone's going to come and watch Eugene. Dude, the ticket costs $1,500 to get there, number one, if you want to fly so in this van. Number two, it's not like Europe where you can like literally get a train or like easy access, right? To get into these, um, these great meets. And three, like personally, it's just, I don't think it was well, well done. I don't think it was yeah. well run. Um, I think like Brussels, like all those, Monaco, all those massive meets, Whatever they've been doing the past few years, they've been killing it because every time I look on, when I'm watching on TV, the, the stadium's packed. Yeah. And it's packed for not just the big, like the, the running events, it's packed for everything. There's people clapping, people cheering for the throws, like people get really invested in it. Whereas with the Eugene thing with Pre, I just felt like it was, it was a bit underwhelming. You would think with the caliber of that meet, with the how many amazing athletes were there, it would be completely packed with crazy track fans and all that. So that is. I think Europeans feel that down. too. Yeah. Europeans. Uh, noticing that too because I think they not that they wouldn't like come to pre, but they're disappointed because this is going to be where world champs is but yeah. they the, the capacity is already 18,000 which is less than what it should be it's supposed to be 30,000 and you already have looking at a stadium where there's been so many events Haywood Magic Haywood Magic oh I can just go to world champs or yeah. I can just go to US trials like there's so much going on at Haywood that maybe people are thinking oh I don't need to go to this it's raining yeah like it's just not special because there's just so many meets being put there whereas like there's one brussels diamond league that's true that's probably a factor there's one monica it probably is a know? big factor there's so many there's just so much shit going there. on and then if you're a kid you may as well because i don't know how much tickets cost for pre-fontaine classic but they're expensive. Were they expensive yeah if you're a kid and you're a fan of 
Because the people there Hulk are fans. Hulk and Teardrop, you can just go to a low-key meet and see them and probably interact with them more. Yeah. It's way more chill vibe. So that's really cool to be able to do that as well. So yeah, it's kind of a shame. I mean, it is. I think obviously with Eugene and anything happening there, there's going to be so much marketing money behind making it seem like the it's big, like the best place ever. in the world. It's the best place for track in the world, which is... Not necessarily true. I just I don't think it is true at all. And I think the one one thing I want to get point by the fans there they were fantastic. They were awesome. Like yeah. everyone was coming up and getting. But the problem is there's a lack of fans. Um, yeah. which, where which where would you think the US Diamond League should be held? US Diamond League, uh, not in Eugene. I think you should hold it somewhere where it's easier access. Um, Eugene's not really easy to get to. But the problem with with my opinion is that Eugene has so much history for American track and field. Not for me as an Australian. Obviously, there's pre and everything like that. It's pretty awesome, Oregon. But it's probably a pretty shit answer. But somewhere that's got a big population, LA. Somewhere that you could get easy access into. There's a good accommodation for everyone. Um, There's a good stadium. There's good resources there. But we don't really have that in the States. Eugene is the place that has a lot of special meaning to people. It it, it does for me in some way because of NCAAs. Um, But... I, it just it just sucks. Like yeah. it just sucks to get in there. It's it's a cool it's a cool town. It's a cool little town. It sucks to get in there. You get into Brussels or you get into um, Paris. Like they're just the bigger cities. Easier to get the flights into. Probably easier to get accommodation. Um, the Europeans do a great job running those diamond leagues, but Eugene's just like one of those things out of all those other diamond league meets. That's just a small town, and the capacity to hold worlds is going to be really interesting because a lot of people are probably going to already struggling for accommodation and just getting resources in there um, yeah but I, yeah I, to that, answer that question george you, you're probably there is probably no other way to put like have it you probably should have a new gene because that's the best place for history wise for the track the, the, the stadium's beautiful it's just really hard to right, get got, people we there. Year, we got years ahead of us of Ollie complaining. <laughs> yeah, of I, Eugene. I think oh. Eugene is still the spot because LA, the Mount Sac meet apparently held five people in the stands. Which but was that was not marketed well. Yeah, that's probably what. That, that was on is. USATF. That's not on like the facilities there. It's a massive stadium. Yeah, so that's on yes. that's on marketing and getting the hype up. Hey, when they, they build, big. when they build the Olympic Stadium. Yeah, put it in there. I mean, I, I, I'm probably wrong. It's just Eugene for me is annoying because I think it's got great history there and it's, it's so cool, but it's never going to get the crowds that you'd expect yeah. from American track and field standpoint of this being tracked. Well, down. the US trials so was pretty amazing when we went there. Yeah, I don't know about never. Yeah, and I'm sure the world champs will be pretty no, crazy. Never sold out. I think never. Because never. if you look, okay. It's yeah, be, US, wait, US wait, US world champs are sold out. US, yeah, it's, it's sold out because they don't even have enough seating. They're supposed to be 30,000. <laughs> The regulations is 30,000 and they have to split it up to morning and evening sessions to cover that. Yeah. And they're going to charge double for it, which yeah. is completely I mean, It's very expensive. Terrible. It is very expensive, but... Because you can charge in double for people to go to two of, two of pretty much two different meets when they should be having one meet with 30,000. They won't even do that for the stadium. Now, is, is could there be a better place with more seating? Yes. But Eugene could, could have been the place if they built the stadium to that capacity or they didn't. Yeah. Oh well, that's I guess. We'll, I went we'll down a rabbit happens. hole. I'm we'll sorry. see what happens. We I think we were talking shit about Hayward last week as well. It, I mean, it's an amazing place. It is, and I've had some of the best racing just, experiences of my life there. Why didn't they build from a, from a from a from a competitor standpoint? It, like I guess yeah, you want a full 
stadium but racing there is always so amazing yeah it is amazing it, it's always it so is. amazing i think eighteen thousand people is going to feel freaking packed in there. Th- the way the stadium is i think you're right because i think that's how the trials was but the, but the eighteen thousand isn't enough yeah they well, should they should have built a bigger stadium yeah whatever well they should have yeah look at every other i mean I, th- I think they couldn't because of all the university stuff and just yeah at the end of the day it's just not that much space which is a shame, but it's still a very because I want place. I want a lot of fans. Like everyone wants to go. I want fans there. Like it's it's. I'd love if they just went. All right, we're gonna build this stadium here, fifty thousand. Hell yeah, you could fill it up. You yeah, definitely I, fill I, it up I don't think I don't think they could build fifty thousand no. because of the where the stadium is. It's just limited because it's on a university campus, campus and right. all that. But it just wouldn't look as cool just do it in do it in Beavertown. Track track. Doesn't that what's that track town? Is that track town? What is that? No, that's in that's next to Portland. That's where the HQ is. But yeah headquarters headquarters um anyhow i think that's a that's a nice little discussion today is there anything else to talk about um oh yeah i think i, I guess i i'd like to say um next next time we do any domestic meets if you guys do see us definitely come up don't feel like don't feel shy about it i just want to yeah. make that clear like come up Ask for a photo. We, we're very happy to give you a photo, autograph, stickers, stuff, and stickers because we're hopefully going to be bringing a lot of stickers to the meets. Yeah. We'd love to hand them out to you guys, particularly for two fans of the pod. So don't be hesitant or shy. Come up, say hello. You can hear some Ollie complaints in you person. You can hear me complaining about Haywood in person. Um, awesome. I, I, Live podcast. I might have come off too rash, but I just I feel like there could have it could be more done. Yeah. Because it, it's supposed to be it is a special place. Yeah. But anyway, let's let's well, end yeah. it on that. <laughs> and with that, that's episode thirty-seven of the podcast. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. We'll see you guys next week.